You're listening to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. Today's show is part of the monthly Waste Not series in which we discuss food waste and ways that the agri-food system and households can contribute to global change. We'll be discussing imperfect and surplus produce rescue with founder and CEO of the Food Fund Incorporated, Divi Oja. Welcome, Divi. Thanks for having me, Peggy. Oh, it's really great to have you here. Divi, can you tell us a little bit about the Food Fund program, how long it's existed and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So Food Fund existed now for over four years, just about four and a half years now, started in 2017. And essentially, the simplest way I can express what we do is is we connect produce or other food items from growers and distributors that may otherwise be wasted for cosmetic reasons or logistical reasons. And we bring that to households within our community. And we try to do that at a affordable price in a convenient way where perhaps everyone who you know wishes to make use of the service is able to and especially since covid i think there's been sort of a greater need for us to double down on food accessibility and that's that's exactly the the problem that we try to solve with with food fund Okay, great. And that sounds like you had mentioned convenient right to the doorstep in an accessible way. Food is available that otherwise might not have been. And I think that likely there's not a lot of packaging as well, because you're presenting it all in a bin or something that an individual is going to get. Is that true? Yeah, we, we try to keep packaging to a minimum in terms of the fruits and vegetables, pretty much everything that is put into the boxes, it's, you know, in its natural form. So there's no over packaging of, of products. It's exactly how we receive it from from the grower or the distributor is almost exactly as to how we pass it forward to the end consumer. So people are um, receiving things uh, without being extra packaged. That's awesome. And Divi, was there a particular moment or experience that prompted you to create Food Fund? How'd you get the idea? The idea, I think, was was a long time coming. I think, and there's there's so many different, I think, contributing factors to to perhaps why I was maybe more prone to even seeing the problem exist. Obviously, it's it's not a problem that has only recently uh, come up. It's probably been around for as long as anyone's been around, right? So for me, sort of where it clicked was just coming across, I guess, documentaries and and written publications that sort of documented food waste and uh, seeing it up close and personal, even in London, Ontario itself, when I was living there and and going to school there, just coming sort of face to face with it and and seeing sort of the impact that it was having on the local community as well, doing some research and, and seeing, you know, what was the cause? What was driving this? Did we not have enough food? Or what was the reason why people didn't have enough, right? So that sort of was my prompt at at really digging deep and trying to find answers. I never thought of it as a business idea. It was more, you know, here's a problem that I think a lot of people are facing. Can we try to at least figure out why? And then, yeah, that sort of, I guess, spiraled into a number of different whys. And um, soon enough, I think we we had a uh, model that worked, but that's really, that was the beginning. Yeah, so I can see sort of two problems of food waste. So seeing imperfect produce, maybe not being used, and then also people being hungry and needing access to fresh fruits and vegetables. So really good approach to solving both of those problems. And how did you come up with the name Food Fund Inc.? 
So Food Fund, really the, the thought process behind it uh, or behind the name was sort of sitting back and, and looking at people, you know, talk about things that they were investing in as it pertained to their lives, whether that was financial, whether that was economic. Um, and, and we do this a lot, right? There's the people have investment funds, people have, you know, other real estate funds. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, both of those things are important, right? How come there's nothing that we do to sort of invest back into a the community of food and the people that it encompasses and second ourselves i think a part of that investment is towards your own health so that's mm-hmm. sort of why uh the name came about food fund it's we look at this as sort of an opportunity for individuals like yourself and, and myself to to invest not only in our health and well-being but also sort of the health and well-being of the food system at large that's a really really innovative and brilliant message all just in two words you you know, food funds so much behind it, contributing to our communities, but also to ourselves that we're looking, I know the cost of food is something that's a growing issue on many people's minds. The availability of fresh produce at an affordable price is also a concern for some people. So this notion of food fun and investing in yourself and the community from a food perspective, that it's not a transaction, that it is an investment. It's a long-term kind of thing, not only for your health, because you're eating fruits and vegetables, but for for your uh, community and and all the other things that you mentioned. That's really innovative, Divi. Thank you very much for that. And I'm just wondering, the business model is imperfect and surplus produce. And what is that? And how do you source it? I think there's a lot of things which render fresh produce imperfect. Um, But I think the most common examples that we come across or have come across in our four years of operating food fund have been around sizing, shape, symmetry. I think those three are some of the largest ones. Then we have issues with discoloration. That's quite common. Scarring, again, very common. Uh, More difficult to avoid, especially when it comes to sensitive produce items. Fruits are, again, under a lot of scrutiny for for this, their threshold for scarring is perhaps even lower than vegetables. So those are some of the four or five common ones that we come across. There's always surplus, which again, it's, it's sort of silly to think about surplus as an imperfection because it's something which is A, not in the hands of the grower most times. It's, it's conditions that they can't control, temperature, humidity, uh, rainfall. And uh, then to be penalized just because your, your harvest was in some sense too good. And for us to sort of penalize that, made no sense. Anytime there's a disparity between supply and demand is, is really where there's an opportunity for us to, to work with the first half of the supply chain and, and source uh, products directly from them. And, and more on the sourcing side, I think the way that we've gone about it is really taking a farm or grower centric approach to to sourcing. There's obviously no one size fits all sourcing strategy that can address so many different growers that grow so many different commodities and they're of various sizes. So we work with them and try to come up with a strategy that works for them. If they're a smaller farm, they don't have advanced logistics capabilities. They don't necessarily have transportation. We coordinate pickups. So we would work with perhaps a food service provider within the city that we operate. What we would do is pool our orders, create a larger order, than maybe send out a, a truck um, for a pickup so that we're also cutting back on sort of food miles, but also helping the grower and not leaving them sort of to their own devices. Some of the larger distributors obviously have access to that or have in-house capabilities. We work with them as well. And, and sometimes they're they're more than happy to actually make those drop-offs directly to us if they are uh, within the area or, or passing by. So that's really how we've approached that problem. That's 
that's a really, really great approach. And I was thinking of the, I'm sure you've heard of the term and many listeners have as well, the triple bottom line where it's good for people, it's good for the planet and it's good for the, what says profit, but really the bottom line, meaning it's a viable business that someone can actually can continue to offer this great service. But I noticed on your website, foodfund.ca, that your team is disrupting the notion of perfection. And what are you going for with this? I mean, that's something that we wake up, the entire team wakes up and sort of has committed themselves to achieving. I think for us, what what matters is is making efforts in the right direction. As far as the the statement itself is concerned, really the the notion of perfection here in food, and and it even transcends just food, it, it goes into so many different facets of our own lives where we equate, you know, physical perfection or structural or form perfection to quality. And that is something which is not only damaging to so many different businesses, so many different organizations, but so many different people within the community, right? And because we have normalized that relationship, it makes it very difficult for people to believe otherwise or to accept otherwise. And and that is something that we all sort of agreed that that's something that we need to work towards changing. Now, whether that is through educating the consumer about just because something looks different or doesn't conform to what the industry standards, who set standards anyway, Mm -hmm. right? Like we're out here trying to gauge the quality of an apple by a small blemish or a small scar that was caused maybe because of leaves brushing up up against it when it was harvest season. Mm -hmm. How does that have any impact on the freshness of the apple, right? And and that just is one small example. And we sort of have devoted our time to disrupting that sort of notion and, and shedding some light on it, hopefully getting more people to at least experience it and, and decide for themselves as opposed to making up their mind based on other people's opinions. I think that there's a, a really strong message there, not just about food. And you had mentioned the blemish on the apple and it's linked to quality. Certainly the, the nutrients are all still there. What we consider to be nutritious, healthy, perfect. That's really an interesting, uh, an interesting approach. And one of the things that the Food Fund Inc. is trying to do is to support growers. And how are you doing that? So I think the business model, uh, and, and you mentioned this earlier, and that's something that we resonate and align ourselves with quite deeply as well, the triple bottom line, we really do believe that a business is not viable when it's financially and economically viable. I think the other two Ps are equally important, which is you know the planet and the people. So supporting growers is essentially baked into our model. So we work directly with growers as much as we can being in, in Southwestern Ontario, and we form these relationships and we try to minimize the amount of hand handling that happens between ourselves and the grower. So we want to transact directly with them. They are exceedingly good at what they do. You know, they are fantastic when it comes to knowledge about agriculture and growing commodities that they're able to then sell. But I think the technology side is something perhaps where we have more expertise. So we're able to sort of offer them room to to develop that further. Second, and probably should be first, our ability to actually pay them more than what they were making on the commodity if we were not buying, I think, is probably the strongest driver of support that we can offer to our our growers, especially in times that we live in now where the supply chain is so uncertain. Mm -hmm. Our subscription-based recurring model allows us to communicate with them with a high degree of certainty what commodities we'll be needing for weeks to come. And they find a sense of relief 
So that I think is is one of our our biggest our biggest propositions that we are able to increase the bottom line of growers. We're able to pay them and compensate them for the crop that they've spent so much of their time and efforts in growing, which perhaps was otherwise being fed to cattle for cents on the dollar or worse yet being used for compost in their own land just because they were short staffed on labor and the economics isn't make sense to even harvest it. So that's how we've sort of approached that problem. I think that's great because commodity based living isn't very easy. Person's livelihood, you mentioned farmers being able to predict, have some sense of what income there was going to be based on the production. And in some years, it's it's tough out there. There isn't a net profit at all. And farmers live on their land. They mostly have their homes there, that it's very tough economically for many farmers. So this really is helping the growers. And I can definitely see that. And then with the growers being, um, as you said, the experts, and you're being the experts with the technology and the marketing, the actual delivery to the consumer, there's a sort of a, a perfect marriage there. I can't wait to hear more about it uh, after the break, Divi. We'll find out ways in which the Food Fund helps communities and the environment by rescuing imperfect and surplus produce. Welcome back to Food for the Future on 980CFPL and 980CFPL.ca. Here's your host, Peggy O'Neill. I'm Peggy O'Neill, home economist and host of Food for the Future. We're speaking about the community and social aspects of using imperfect and surplus produce with Divi Oja, founder of the Food Fund, Inc. Divi, one of Food Fund's aims is to empower individuals to contribute to the social ecosystem. What is the social ecosystem and then how is this accomplished? Right. So one of our goals, and I mentioned this briefly earlier, Food Fund is 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 not just an investment in your own health and well-being. It's an investment that you make to better everyone else's health and well-being, whether that's at a community level, whether that's at a grower level. And this is exactly what we mean by the social ecosystem. So a big part of what we do is giving back to the community in forms of donation, in forms of food. And we do that directly through the boxes each and every week. We have partners within the community that we work with, whether they're soup kitchens, whether they are social justice organizations. We partner with them and we redistribute a percentage of our weekly operations worth of food to them. And that's very core to to our mission. Mm-hmm. How we're able to empower individuals to contribute to this is through the boxes. Uh, we do this a couple of times a year, sometimes even a few times a year. We offer up the opportunity to our subscribers, our food fund family, as we like to call them, the ability to to donate a box or sponsor a box for for an individual for the entire month, whatever that may be, whatever you're comfortable with. And we match that from our end. So we provide an equal contribution with food and partner with a number of different organizations in in the areas that we operate, whether that's London, Kitchener-Waterloo, and more recently now Hamilton as well, to to bring that into sort of the hands of people who are less fortunate and should still not be priced out of the most basic need. That is uh, uh, so consistent with what you said before the break around this notion of the very name of the food fund and that we're making investments into the future, not just our own, but to, as you had said, the social ecosystem. So what's good, not just for a family or a household or an individual, but for the community. Uh, for the growers, for the environment, and for people who have access um, often to emergency food, which is good emergency food, but sometimes fresh produce can be 
um, very hard to get. So what a great way for people to be able to contribute. So the Food Fund Inc. has produced a challenge to our community to work towards a sustainable zero waste lifestyle. What does success look like? I think success looks like progress. I think success is not a destination here because there isn't an end goal here. I can't tell you that we will all be successful the day we hit metrics A, B, and C. I think success in this looks like being better than what you were yesterday or last week or last month or last year. Whether that is repurposing your leftovers, whether that is being more involved in the community and giving your time to a local food bank, whatever that may be, as long as there's improvement and progress in your journey as a citizen of our community in lieu of food waste and food insecurity conversation, I think that's, that's success. And it's different for everyone. I like that approach that it's very individual, your own best against where you were. And there can be a lot of overwhelm or apathy almost. You had said some people don't even start. We just need to do one thing that's in the step in the right direction. And that's still better than what it was. I think we have some social inertia and that if we all pitch in, that we will be able to move this dial and move towards a, a better zero waste lifestyle, as you said, using leftovers or zero waste in that we reallocate resources, food to places that need it when we do have surplus. That's that's really great, Divi. And how does food system waste of imperfect and surplus produce raise food prices for individuals and families? I think the simplest way that this can be explained is by using a, a very simple example. If a grower has a hundred pounds off a commodity, let's say apples to sell, and it costs them a certain amount, they are planning to recoup that amount and hopefully create a profit for themselves, their families, based on what they've grown. If all of a sudden 50% of what they've grown is now prohibited from being sold, well, they have still incurred the cost on the full batch of the 100 pounds of that commodity. The only difference now is that they have to recoup that cost on half the volume. So simple equation, the only thing that they have in, in their control now to, to really adjust and play with is, is price. So we see that trickle down from the very early parts of the supply chain, then mm -hmm. eventually to the consumer. So that's really why if there is systemic food waste, whether that's through logistical inefficiencies, whether it's strict cosmetic standards that are far away from, from what reality allows, then this will continue spreading and this will continue to affect more people. I think everyone is sort of bracing themselves for the hike in food prices that's going to be coming for the next 12 months. You almost expect it. Really, that's that's one of the, the contributing factors. And, and it, it does come down to some of these systemic regulations that we have in place. Without moving the needle there, it's, it's going to be quite difficult to to curb. I think the good news is, is that there is a lot of uh, attention and effort and innovation. Uh, organizations like the Food Fund Inc. and many other larger corporations really looking into this as part of not just their corporate social responsibility programming, but also from just from a bottom line perspective, waste is expensive. Organizations know that. And Divi, just to shift from social to environmental factors, how does not using produce waste affect environmental resources? Well, it should come not as a surprise to, to anybody that growing any agricultural commodity requires extensive amounts of resources or wastage of excessive amounts of greenhouse gases. Water conservation is, again, an important topic. And we know that there are still parts of Canada that don't have access to good water. So for us to waste a finished harvested food commodity isn't just wasting the commodity itself, right? It's it's wasting the fertilizer that was 
use to grow. It's wasting the water. And sure, in, in, in this part of the world, we, we have access to irrigation systems that do a good job of conserving the natural water reserves that we have, but that does not give us or anybody the license to waste, right? So there's always a tax that we pay, an environmental tax that we pay for waste, and we will continue to, to pay that until we change the way that we look at what that perfection in, in food looks like. Uh, something that we talked about earlier, and until we actually try it for ourselves and, and go through that experience. I think that one of the most important things that you just said is um, looking past the surface, think about the resources that it took, not only the heart and soul of the farmer and the people in the food system who are trying to offer something wonderful, but also all of the things in the environment. So it's a deeper conversation. And I'd like to hear more about some successes that you've experienced in redistributing imperfect surplus and produce at the food funding. I think our, our biggest success to date, to date has been just the sheer volume that we've been able to pass on through the business to the community. So now since we've existed, we've redistributed over 4 million pounds of food. Just in 2021 alone, nearly 150,000 boxes of produce and groceries was sent out into the community. So that's sort of been our biggest achievement. We're also very proud of creating local jobs. That's something that we've come to be very grateful for. We've had the opportunity to currently employ over 70 individuals within our community. Since mm -hmm. we've started out, we've always offered fresh food and produce to our, our staff completely free. That just aligns to, to what we do. And I think if we're not even able to create food accessibility and, and security within our team, then aiming to do that in, in the community at large is it's quite a dream. So that's probably, again, also up there with some of the proudest accomplishments. I'm smiling ear to ear here, Divi, truly at, you know, we talk about business integrity, we talk about conceptual consistency right across an organization. And I know that this is just the beginning. So progress, not perfection, and redefining what perfection is anyway. Thank you, Divi, for our conversation today. I'm really impressed at your ingenuity, as well as the positive impact that your team is creating. Truly, congratulations. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Today on Food for the Future, we've been speaking about imperfect and surplus produce rescue with Divi Oja, founder and CEO of the Food Fund, Inc. Each week, we leave you with something to talk about and something to do. Something to talk about? How could you redefine perfect produce? Something to do? Visit foodfund.ca to find out more about imperfect and surplus produce rescue in our community. Next week on the show, it's City Farming. We'll discuss getting ready for spring and growing with Skylar Frankie, Executive Director of the London Environmental Network. I'm your host, Peggy O'Neill, home economist, and you've been listening to Food for the Future. Thank you to our platinum-level sponsors, Burnbray Farms, Eggs for Life, and the Middlesex London Food Policy Council. Food for the Future with Peggy O'Neill airs every Saturday at 8.30 on 980 CFPL and 980 CFPL.ca.